everybody. Welcome back to Gilmore to Consider with Tara and Haley. I'm Tara. This is Haley. Hi, Haley. Hi, Tara. We have a very exciting episode today. I know. I'm so excited for this one. We sat down with Valerie Campbell, who is a key set costumer on Gilmore Girls from 2000 to 2007, and then also was the supervisor for the revival. And just about the nicest person you can talk to. Oh, truly the sweetest, the kindest. She's just such a love. It was so, so special to sit down with her and talk about behind the scenes, about the costumes, about her experience on Gilmore Girls. She has such a good memory of things that happened Mm. behind the scenes for the show that happened so long ago and also provides us with some context with some really big moments that happened behind the scenes on this show. So let's get into it. Valerie, hi, we're so happy to have you here. Welcome to Gilmore to Say. Oh, thank you. You know, this is exciting for several reasons. The first being that you are our very first guest on the pod that has worked on the show, which is very, very cool. Um, But the second is actually more specific to me. I don't know if you know this about me because we have only connected through TikTok and I don't really talk about this on my TikTok, but... I have spent, since I moved to New York in 2014, the last almost 10 years doing costumes for Broadway and off-Broadway shows. That is amazing. You know what? I only learned it about five seconds before when Haley was talking. <laughs> and I yeah. was like, how is this? I didn't know this. And I'm so yeah. bummed. I was I was just in New York. We uh, finished. We went to uh, the Fan Fest Society. You know, they used oh, to do these yeah, little yeah, Gilmore yeah. Girl Fan Fest. They're still Gilmore Girl related. Just it's called the Fan Fest Society, and mm-hmm. they're in. Um, we were in Maine, and then we traveled. A gunquit, right? A gunquit, and then yeah. I traveled down to Boston, hung out with some Gilmore fans and some of my TikTok fans mm-hmm. in Boston, and then I went to New York and hung out with some TikTok creators and friends, and I was like. Man, we could have met up in New York. I know. I only know a couple people that work in New York in costumes, mostly mm. in live, you know, in film. Intelligent not, film, yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do that or is it just Broadway? It's just been Broadway. It was something I very inadvertently stumbled into because uh, I'm an actor and, and a writer and I want to oh. write for television. So I, you know, I produced my first television pilot in 2019 right before the pandemic and I of course ran the costumes for that because it was my show and I knew you know the ins and outs of having to do costumes but it's such a different medium yeah doing television and film I actually just did background for the marvelous Mrs. Maisel oh that's awesome so to see the way that that worked especially with those costumes I was like oh this is so cool but so different a lot of my friends who work on Broadway have made the transition into television there's more money um but It is more hours. It's like two completely different beasts. Yeah. And I, but I just have such a deep appreciation for what you do, knowing yeah. what it's like uh, on the theatrical level and having gotten a glimpse into what it's like on the television level. So that's why it's doubly exciting for us to have you here today to talk about the show, but yeah. to also talk about that in a very specific capacity. May I ask, what is your actual job on Broadway? Are you a dresser or are you shopping? Are you creating? Yeah, um, I'm a dresser. Oh, okay. For the most part, I've been a dresser. So you're very similar. Yeah. Similar jobs, actually, very much. I've also done shopping. I've also done design assistant work. Yeah. But mostly dressing. And what I what I decided was that I wanted to leave that in 2020 because I wanted to, you know, I just produced that pilot that I had written and I was like, I really want to dedicate my time to this, but also (laughs) I need to pay my rent. Um, And this has been a really fruitful way to do so. (laughs) And so what I was just doing was I was at Almost Famous doing day work for them. So I prepped their clothes. And so I've done that for like Into the Woods. I've done their laundry, you know, like I'm doing more of that kind of stuff rather than like staying at one specific show. So you're a day playing like me too, Mm -hmm. because that's what I do now. Ever since Gilmore, 
I have been bouncing around from show to show and um, I'm not on one specific show for any length of time. I've done a few longer shows, but Mm. for the most part, one day I'm on one thing, one day I'm on another. And I love it because you're just interacting with so many different people. In fact, I was working the other day. I'm not going to mention the show because I don't know if casting has been revealed on that show, but Mm -hmm. I was working. And I heard someone mention someone's name. They're like, Alan. And then the guy named Alan responded. And I went, is that guy's name Alan Blumenfeld? Now, do you know who Alan Blumenfeld is? No, I don't. The rabbi. The <gasps> rabbi. Oh, oh, my God. And I look at the call sheet, and it says Alan Blumenfeld. And I'm like, I'm looking at the guy. He looks nothing like him because it's been 20 years. And oh he my was God. a much older man at the time. And I, I go through my phone, and I have from season two to like season uh, six, I have mm-hmm. a lot of continuity photos still yeah. on my phone because I archived them. And I look in my phone and I go, Oh, there he is. There's his pictures. Cause I looked up <gasps> oh on IMDb, God. which episodes he was in. I find them. And then I, I screenshotted him and showed him to him. And he was like, Oh my God. And then we started talking about Amy and, and his experiences. Oh, and he was so cool. charming. What a fun thing to reconnect after all this yeah. time. It just shows how small the industry is. Like everybody absolutely. knows everybody and people are constantly working together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, on that note, can you tell us about a little bit, like our listeners about who you are and like what you've done? Because you've talked a lot yeah. about yeah. the job that you have, but I feel like a lot of people would love to hear more about what exactly that is. Okay, so my name is Valerie Campbell and on TikTok and most social media, I'm Valerie's cat ice cream. And the reason that is, is because I make ice cream. I wrote an ice cream cookbook and everything in my life has led up to where I am at right now. Like Mm. literally every single thing I've done has made me the person I am. Uh, But basically I'm a set customer, a key set customer or a background customer. On Gilmore Girls, I was the key set customer, which meant I took care of all the actors Mm. on set. I'd break down the scripts. I'd write little tags and notes. Uh, I'd steam out the clothes in the morning, put them in their rooms, help them get dressed, and then head to set. We'd watch the rehearsals. Anything that involved the clothes and the action of the clothes. If the clothes got dirty, if they needed to be cleaned, if someone needed to put something on, if someone needed to take something off or grab something, that was my responsibility to make sure those things happened. And if there were things that happened extraneously, like uh, someone spilled uh, soup on them or you know, uh, an accident happened or they bent over and their pants ripped, that also became my responsibility. So um, I was basically the one And there were multiple people that helped in our department. I wasn't the only person in the department. We had the costume designer, the supervisor. They're the person hiring, doing the budgets with the producers. And then you have the keys in the departments. You have shoppers, which I was not a shopper. So I don't know where things came from. And a lot of people ask me. I do have some minimal notes from the time. And it's very hard for me to find them because they're somewhere buried in the computer. And I didn't really save them because I didn't think... I didn't think 20 years later people would be asking yeah, me questions of course about not. that. It was so long ago. Yeah. It's wild. But there are people, if you really want to know where things are, there was an account, and I do believe there still exists, called Gilmore Garbs. And <gasps> Gilmore I Garbs. remember her going through our books. Someone went through our books years ago and photographed everything that was in our continuity books as far as what um, clothing designers War and they did it in conjunction with Warner Brothers or something. I remember that happening. And I also remember seeing Gilmore Garbs on the social medias. 
and uh, they tend to buy things and sell them. When they find an item that was on Gilmore Girls, they'll buy it, sell it, and that's their business. So mm-hmm. um, try to find them. They might actually know what some of the brands are that yeah. you're looking for. And you, you just Google it. Most yeah, of the things you will yeah. find. There's a, there's a, a, a Poshmark account, and I believe she's also on Instagram, called Cinema Spells. And Ooh. it's not exclusively Gilmore Girls, but a lot of Gilmore Girls stuff lands on there. And she's yeah. really, yeah. really good at finding I've stuff. I've seen a it's lot, like of a lot of dresses pop up. Yeah. And Lorelai's wrap dresses, of course, the Diane Von Furstenbergs. Oh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. a lot of early 2000s things that she can spot she'll find she's really really good at it so it's really good to know that there's another one out there that is just Gilmore Girls Center that's very yeah and they've been around for a while like I remember seeing them a long 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 time ago I love so then during uh the revival I didn't want to be on set I wanted to be like hey Brenda I'll come back Brenda was our costume designer and I said Brenda I'll come back but only if I supervise and she's like Mm. okay and I was like did I just say yes to that? Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of work. Yeah. And I'm sure you know, Tara, that supervising is a lot of work. It's a different beast. It's a different beast. It's not something that anybody wants to do anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you do want to get in the business and you want to supervise, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. What was the main difference between being the key set customer in the series and the supervisor during the revival? So the main difference is I was barely on set. Uh, the other difference is... My job was to take care of the budget. I'd break down the scripts, but I'd take care of the budget, make sure that we had enough money, make sure we had enough staff. I would call the actors, get their sizes, call them in for fittings. Sometimes I would do fittings, but very rarely. Most of that was the costume designer, and um, I'd send out the shoppers to get stuff and try to coordinate, get the bills paid, all all the nitty gritty things. I'd have conversations with the UPM saying, we need more money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they'd go, why do you need this? <laughs> and I'd be like, I don't want this. You want this. Exactly. <laughs> so how did you get your job initially on Gilmore Girls? So I had been working at least 10 years. Um, and I had worked a couple years before I'd worked with Brenda Maven, who was the costume supervisor at the time and later was our costume designer starting season four. Mm-hmm. We had worked on a Claire Danes pilot together. It was a sitcom. And she remembered me and she had two people working with her, Katrina and Joey. Katrina and Joey were working with Brenda at the time and they decided to go work on, I think, Spider-Man or something. Whatever was the big hit movie in 2000. Or maybe it was in 2001 because they had left in 2000. And Brenda called me and was like, hey, do you want to work on this show? And I was like, sure. And so I came to Warner Brothers. I think it was during the middle of episode 10 to interview. I remember I remember that Rory was on set. I want to say they were in the gazebo. If there was a scene in the gazebo in episode 10. Yeah, there is. With it might have been Lane, but I don't know. Forgiveness and stuff. I was gonna say, is that forgiveness and stuff? Yeah, that's it's the beginning Lane. of forgiveness yeah. and stuff. I love it. And I went to visit and and Brenda said, you know, as long as you get along with Alexis, you've got the job. And I was like, okay. And so I met Alexis oh, wow. and she was very she was the main concern, which is interesting because you'd think Lauren would be the main concern, but right. Alexis is is very she's very sweet. She was young, she was 18 at the time, and you know. And so they really wanted to protect her and have someone that was going to have her back, which is what my, you know, I don't know. I'm sure you know, Tara, that when you're working with people, you're, it's very intimate. Mm -hmm. You are in their space 
very private spaces. You are there to protect them. Mm-hmm. And that was my job is to protect them and keep them comfortable. And, yeah. you know, if they needed something, I'd help them get whatever they needed, but also make sure that they felt at ease. And that was the most important thing. Yeah. They need to feel safe. Actors yeah, yeah. are very insecure by nature, which is interesting because they're out there. You know, they're mm-hmm. bigger than life personalities, but a lot of them suffer from extreme anxiety. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that anxiety is perceived as being rude or aloof. And in reality, it's just them. It's not mm-hmm. it's not anything that anyone has done other than them just needing their own. I mean, we all know we're all some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, but mm-hmm. we're all just trying to be people you know yeah at the end of the day absolutely yeah now to that end I'm curious what the energy was like I have two questions for you first what was the energy like and I know that you mentioned that in the revival you weren't on set as much but what was the difference between the original show the original series versus when Amy and Dan left in the seventh season and then to the revival, how did the energy shift over time? Because you mentioned that you didn't want to be on set. Did that have to do with the set dynamic or was it more about just the role that you wanted to play in, you know, um, in the costume world of Gilmore Girls? Okay. So from, f- uh, six to seven under Amy's command, we did very long hours because the, mm. the words had to be perfect. Mm-hmm. There could not be an a or the, or an and or a, but It had to be exactly that way. And when we got to season seven, Amy wasn't there. And so nothing had to be word perfect. Warner Brothers stepped in and was like, bring it in under budget. I mean, they were saying this all along, but Amy was like, no, this is what I need. This is what I want. We're going to do this. And she would fight the studios, whereas the new people didn't fight. They just did what they were told and they made it as easy as possible. They didn't really care about the A's and the's that the actors kind of changed a line. If As long as it sounded okay, they were okay with it. It was not as specific and we were able to just go home at an early hour. Like our days on an Amy season would be anywhere from 15 to 22 hours that I would be on set. Right. Wow. And for the most part, it was close to 17, 19 hour days for a customer. We we come in early, we leave late, but still the crew hours on a normal show, they try to keep it to 12. And a lot of times customers will be working 14. We were working easy 19 hours on a day. Right. And the 22 was the extreme. It happened on a couple different occasions. And a 10 hour day was unheard of under Amy. Now, Mm. under the new regime, we would be doing 10 hour days, maybe 12 at the most, 10 hours easy. Uh, And that was it. And we'd go home and I would ride my bike to work every day. It was great. It was amazing. I live eight minutes from the studio. Oh, a 30 minute bike ride. So I'd ride my bike. But the reason I wanted to step aside was not because of the show. It was mm. just I got to the point in my career where I was day playing more. And I loved it because you go in, you do your job, you do it well, you go home. Mm-hmm. You don't think about it. And there are many times where an incident would happen on set, continuity mistake. An actor would do something. We wouldn't catch it until after they'd printed and moved on. I wasn't paying attention or something happened that distracted me because I could not be in all places at once because I was taking care of too many people. And so a mistake would be made. And when those mistakes happened, 
it's a pit in your stomach feeling. You'd go home that night and you would nightmares and dreams. Oh, beat like, yourself up. Yes. Yeah. And it it's so hard. Those are the things that make me go, I don't want to be on set all the time. Like, mm. I don't mind if I can do it on a daily basis when I choose that I'm feeling great, then that's mm-hmm. wonderful. But Gilmore beat people down to the point where they were just so exhausted that mistakes happened a lot of times. And that's why you see a lot of mistakes on set is because mm. we were doing really long hours. Yeah. And it's fun and nice now, 20 years later, to go back and watch the show with different of eyes course, yeah. and realize it's just a TV show. Nobody mm-hmm. died. I didn't get fired. <laughs> I could have. I could have easily gotten yeah. fired. It's so hard right. to feel like that in the moment, though, that it's not life and death to like make mistakes like that because it's all yeah. on you. Yeah. Speaking, though, of rewatching the show... Do you have a new perspective of, I guess, like what you're doing? Because you spent so long working on the show, especially talking about how many hours you worked daily that I imagine the seasons start to like blend together and all of like the behind the scene moments are hard to follow when people ask you like, what did you remember from season four? Because it just all sort of becomes like, I imagine one huge moment versus going back through the show. Is there like a new perspective that you have from the storyline, but also where you were at. Yeah, it's wild. Watching it, I realized that there are so many memorable moments mm. that are like, oh my God, the giant pizza, this. That. <laughs> like, and I didn't realize that there were so many. Like each episode has something that is just so fun to watch. For me, I know you guys are all about teams and who likes who and this oh, and course. that and the storylines. <laughs> and me, I'm like about the giant moments. Like, you know, Kirk being wrapped in the bandages, Kirk doing this, Kirk doing that, you know, the, <laughs> the soda shop, the organ grinder monkey, the like the dance marathon. the And I know that there's so much more to come. Um, right now I'm in uh, season four. We just finished season four. Oh, wow. And so recipes and raincoats was the last thing. We just finished it last night. And it's just fascinating to see these moments, reliving them. I don't remember anything about season seven for some reason and I think it's because we did it so quickly that we didn't like we would do 36 takes during Amy's right. seasons easily because the actors couldn't get their lines the steady cam flubbed we'd accidentally see the sky or it's something that we shouldn't have seen in the shot so we had to reshoot it even if the words were perfect and so uh, season seven they didn't care as much and so those moments aren't as deeply ingrained in my brain right and it'll be interesting to watch that season it really will be because i literally i remember the car crash that was it i don't remember the car crash what car you don't remember crash? the car crash the car that crash season. No. You don't remember the car crash? Season seven? seven? Isn't it seven? Into Luke's diner? Oh! Oh, the car. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Of course. (laughs) Valerie, I got to be honest with you. I never watch season seven. It is like the lost season for me. (laughs) I never watch it because for me, like as a viewer, which is a very, very different perspective, it shifted so deeply knowing yeah. that Amy and Dan were not there. It was just, it was different. I mean, like, and it sounds like it was a very different experience for you. It showed, you know, like, I'm so grateful that it was easier on you guys. Cause I know those long, those long, long days and they are like tenfold in television, but yeah, like that, it was very evident and I'm very intrigued for you to watch it. Randomly. I don't have photos from season seven. And for really? me, the photos, just looking at an image brings it back. Mm. Not all of them, because a lot of them are just 
an actor standing there looking at their clothes. But uh, a lot of these moments, um, if I have the photographs, I'm like, oh, my God. And so there's another moment that I have from season seven that I've remembered in hindsight after I saw the photo. And I went, huh? And I've, I've done it on my TikTok a lot. Sally Struthers was on set and she was pulling. She was a character. She'd always do really random fun things her and Liz together but she was on set it was the last day of shooting and I get a call on the walkie Valerie we need you on set come down immediately Sally needs something I get up to Sally I'm like what do you need and Sally grabs me hoists me over her shoulder and starts spinning me around <gasps> on her shoulder and and she's tiny she's tiny but she's, she's a little broad. lady oh. she's a broad she's a yeah. broad so she takes uh takes me, spins me around, and someone takes a picture, and then years later, they show it to me, and I was like, oh, my God, that happened. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't remember yeah. this. Happened. I just remember, like, everything started coming together. but All coming back. Wow. Speaking of on-set photos, I think that you've told me this before, that if there's any photos of, like, the actors on set, that they're usually pictures that you have taken, that if anyone comes across any a lot of actor photos behind the scenes, they're <gasps> yeah. usually yours. Oh, I love that. Not all, but a lot of them are. Um, so at the very end of season six and season seven, People would ask for photos, and I was the one that had them. And Brenda, early on, because they're all digital, we started doing digital photography on Gilmore Girls season two. When was the Bengals concert? Was that season one or season yeah, two? Yeah, that was season, so season one. one. Okay, so the Bengals concert, I had just bought a Sony Mavica camera that had a floppy disk. And so technology oh, wasn't great. Oh, my gosh. Wow. But yeah. I had it. <laughs> a floppy disk. And Brenda... I was just reusing the files and she was like, you got to save these images. And I was like, okay, let me try to save them. Some of them got lost because um, my computer got stolen on the lot. But for the most part, I have archived everything from that point forward. And then somehow I just didn't transfer seven onto the computer or there's a lost disc somewhere in my house of information. Yeah. And somewhere maybe one day there, I'll yeah. find <laughs> season seven. But wow. I mean, I guess for the... Oh, that would be amazing. It doesn't really matter season yeah. seven, right? <laughs> you guys don't well, care about it. No, 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 no. I, I think it's... I mean, it was the last season. That's still like very crucial. Yeah, well, it was the last season until it. the revival, but you know, of the original series... Haley, I feel like most of our followers already know that we don't really drink alcohol, but we do love a fun beverage. Oh, we do. Both of us think a fun beverage and a chill night is the epitome of a good time, especially when that drink is a recess mood, which is a delicious sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like mood lifting magnesium and stress balancing adaptogens. So you can relax without the alcohol. I drink mine every night while reading, of course. Tara, tell everyone how you enjoy yours. Honestly, I usually drink mine while we're recording the podcast. <laughs> it's my favorite way to enjoy a recess. And all of our besties can get 15% off the Recess Mood Sampler Pack at takearecess.com slash GTS. Recess Mood is made with real fruit and comes in four delicious flavors like strawberry rose and raspberry lemon. But my personal favorite is the grapefruit tangerine. And with only 20 calories and no added sugar, it's the perfect way to chill. You deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash GTS and get 15% off Recess Mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. 
I don't know what it is, but cowboy boots are magic. Since they've arrived, I've worn my Tecovis boots almost every day. I have the Annie in Midnight. I know you have the Annie in Bone. I do. But they make me feel so powerful because, of course, it is my dream to be a cowgirl. Yes, I know this about you. But I also know (laughs) you've told me that you wear them while you write your book. I do. I wear them all the time because I also wear them when I get dressed up or when I'm sitting at my dress recording the podcast because they make me feel so bold and brave and like I can do anything no matter how I style them. Tecovis has carried forward all the time-honored traditions and quality that you find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they've innovated on comfort, style, and service with boots for men and women handmade from the most premium leathers. And if you dream of being cowgirls like us or you're already Western to your core, Tecovis is the perfect brand to start with because they believe in Western for all. They don't only offer their handmade boots, but all sorts of head-to-toe Western staples. Perfect jeans to go with your boots, pearl snaps, bandanas, and cowboy hats. You name it and they'll get you out. Outfitted. And if you can't make it into a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. So visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And as a special opportunity for our listeners, Tecovis has said that they will throw in one of their best-selling trucker hats or ball caps for free into any minimum purchase of $100 on tecovis.com. Just use the code Gilmore at checkout. That's G-I-L-M-O-R-E. It's about a $30 value and they sell fast, so they're always new styles and looks. Again, for a limited time, just enter code Gilmore at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tecovis. Only at tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and point your toes west. The other thing you asked was how different was Seven to the revival? And, uh, okay, in my job, I was now supervisor. I was taking care of budgets and all that stuff. So it was already different. It was different in that aspect. I wasn't living on set 24-7. I'd visit the set. Like It's not like I didn't go to set. I'd open the set, make sure everything was fine, and then I would get to go home early. No, I would sit in the office and do paperwork all night and sometimes leave after the crew left. But that's another story. Um, we would constantly be waiting for casting, which wouldn't happen until the wee hours of the day for the very next morning mm-hmm. and constantly calling actors going, can you bring in all your own clothes and we'll figure out if we have anything that will fit you. So a lot wow. of times in the revival, a lot of the day players would be wearing at least elements of their own clothes because we didn't have time to shop for them. We didn't have time. We would be lucky if we could run downstairs and grab stuff from the costume department of Warner Brothers and, mm-hmm. and run back upstairs and put it on in a fitting. But sometimes we would be shooting the next morning before the costume shop opened. There's many elements that are different. One, I was in the production meetings. Mm-hmm. And I was never in the production meeting. So it was kind of interesting to hear the conversations about. Yeah. Talk about anyone who wouldn't know what a production meeting is, like what would go on in there. A production meeting is all the department heads get together. And because I was the costume supervisor, I was a department head. Myself and the designer were both department heads. Like it's kind of a fine line, uh, but we both would be in those meetings. So would head of construction, if we had special effects, props, camera, key grip, Those type Mm -hmm. of people would be in the production meeting. Usually they would do it at lunchtime so that um, the key department heads could be there because they would normally be on set. Mm. And they'd talk about what we were going to be shooting in the next episode. They'd get together and they'd work out any kinks. And if you had any issues that you wanted to talk privately with 
another department head, you'd have a sidebar after the meeting was over. Mm -hmm. And I remember we would go over the script, every single line of the script, and instead of reading it for the dialogue, we would be reading it for the elements of each department. Like, do we need a crane for the shot, for the camera? Do we need Steadicam for the shot? Would we need special lights? Would we need a special type of costumes? And what do we need for that? elements. Brenda would also have separate meetings with Amy where she could talk about what type of clothing the characters would need to be wearing if it was a new character. Mm. Then Amy would give more information that might not be in the script. And they would just talk and they'd work out anything. And Brenda could read Amy so well. She started out as costume supervisor. Right. She was costume supervisor from episode one. She did not do the pilot, you know, in Toronto, there was another costume designer and supervisor. When the show got picked up, they then merged episode one with the pilot. Mm -hmm. So we had another designer for the first like 13, 14 episodes. And then that person wasn't working out and they ended up bringing on another costume designer. And over time, just the way it gelled, Brendo just got the way it should be. And they just said, listen, we really, really want you to do this job. And that's when Brenda was asked to step up with season four. But so she had done it. She knew what was going on. She knew how to communicate with Amy. And it was seamless. You know, I, I don't remember a time where Brenda or Amy fought about anything. They just knew it. They did They got it. each other. I love that. They got each other. That's awesome. And which is why she was asked to do Bunheads. She also did Bunheads. Oh, wow. really? Cool. And then when the revival happened, she was asked to do the revival. And the reason she was not asked to do uh, the show in New York is she doesn't live in New York. And yeah. it would be a lot to uproot. She could have, but that show is a special kind of beast. Huge. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so back to the differences. Going on to set, the sets were bigger. I don't know if you could tell, but the Gilmore house was slightly bigger. The Lorelei's house was slightly bigger and completely different, just a little subtle differences. It was also shot on an elevated set, which meant there were steps going up into her house. The Dragonfly Inn also was elevated. All of the sets that were normally not elevated were suddenly elevated. We were limited. We didn't have the exterior of the Dragonfly Inn because it had been destroyed during Pretty Little Liars. They destroyed that set. Oh, wow. Right. I didn't know that. And we also didn't always have access to Lorelai's exterior because there were other shows shooting on the lot and we had to share. And we also had to turn over Stars Hollow at a certain time. So they had limited time where they had blocked out to be able to shoot in Stars Hollow and they would have to switch it out depending on what the season was because we couldn't shoot the snow at the same time we were shooting summer because it that paper just got everywhere. Right. So there was that element. The other element that was interesting was there was only a few people from the original show, cast, crew. Well, cast obviously was the same, but the crew that were the same. So you'd walk onto set and Lauren, I just remember Lauren going, oh, my God, this is just so weird. You'd see Alexis. This is so weird. Like you see every actor and then you get to see like the people that you would see all the time. Like Jared would come in for one day or yeah. Melissa came in for one day and you were just like, you just wanted to be there. And so we I definitely tried to hang out as much as I could during those days. We'd go to the table reads. Now, normally my job is not to go to the table read. The table read is when the actors get together, they read the script 
so that they can hear the beats of the scene and they can work out any other kinks afterwards. Usually on Amy's show, there is no changes in dialogue. That script is usually the script they use. Most other shows, they would probably use that as a way to, oh, we need to fix this or we need to fix that. But it's the final moments before shooting. Um, usually we would start shooting maybe a couple days later, but we'd go to the table reads and the actors would be there that you hadn't seen in how many yeah. years was it? It was like 10 like years. Like a big reunion. Or 11 years. It's 10 years. Yeah, it was 10 years. It was magical. It was magical. I had seen a lot of these people because remember I said, I wrote this little ice cream cookbook. Yeah. And the whole reason that happened was because I would keep in touch with the actors. Mm -hmm. I made ice cream during the time that I was working on Gilmore Girls. And we'd have little parties, little potlucks. So I started inviting all the actors to my house and all the other crew as well. And sometimes they'd come. Sometimes they'd come for one party. Sometimes they'd come for every party. Over time, what would happen is I started making ice cream a couple of years before Gilmore Girls. And then people started requesting special flavors. And I would start making them. Even if I didn't have a recipe, I would I would create a recipe around whatever suggestion they had. And so it just became a thing. And because I had done this and I had contact with all these people that most of the time you work on a show, you see them, it's your great friends for 15, 20 hours a day, and then you don't see them ever again. But I was keeping in touch with everyone. There's a book called The Gilmore Girls Companion. It's written by Aaron Berman. And he reached out one day and said, there's a bunch of actors that have told me that I need to talk to you. Because they, they would get asked a question and they'd be like, I don't know the answer to that, but Valerie knows. She was there. You're the memory keeper. <laughs> I remember it all. The only thing was I never watched the episodes. Right. Yeah. Until now. You know? Yeah. Until now, like it, it sort of became this thing where someone was like, let's watch the episodes. And I was like, okay, let's do it. And, and now I've got all these people watching. It's so much fun, though. I love that. Do you have any moments that like stick out to you that like when you're watching season one, this felt really memorable to film, but then when you watch it back, you see that it's maybe a smaller moment that like didn't impact the story as much as you had thought? Oh, well, yeah. Like, okay. Like the giant pizza. That was season one, right? No, the giant was pizza one? was season three. Oh, season three. Wow. Yeah. Happy okay. birthday, baby. In season three. Yeah. It was for Lorelai's birthday. What was the giant pizza made of? Oh, it was made of foam. Oh, it was made yeah. of like like okay. insulating foam. It looks like a big like pool float. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Did you see the TikTok I did on this? No. no. Oh my God, you have to watch it. There is a moment that happens. You have to watch it. Please promise me to go watch it. We that. will. Yeah. Absolutely. I think I posted on my Instagram too, if, if you're not into TikTok, but please just for those people that are out there, just join TikTok just to watch this video. <laughs> uh, there was a guy who's in the crew and he'd be walking around. The pizza was on, um, it was on a pallet and it was just this giant piece of foam. And throughout the day, the food stylist was throwing t real tomato sauce, real peppers and like whatever toppings. I think there was broccoli. Mm -hmm. She was like throwing it on the pizza. And throughout the day, he's like, I want to just do a belly flop in that. Doesn't that look like, it looks so soft. I want to do about, but whatever he said, he wanted to do a belly flop and someone dared him. No. They dared him to do a belly flop in the pizza. And, you know, of course we couldn't do it right then and there. 
fact, this was probably not a great idea to do at all, period. But yeah, um, <laughs> but I have a feeling that he did it. <laughs> so at the very last day of shooting that particular episode, after we've gotten all the all clear that they were OK and they were going to dismantle this thing because it was just going to go in the trash. They weren't going to save this thing. They moved it over to in front of Miss Patty's on the side there's that whole grassy area and there was a picnic bench and so they moved it near the picnic bench or they moved the picnic bench near wherever the pizza was and the pizza was just on the ground and he climbed on top of the pizza bench he stripped down to just his skivvies he's like in his underwear and he takes a giant you know giant leap and just belly flops into the pizza oh my god Oh, my God. And uh, the entire crew, well, not the entire crew, but the ones that knew this was going to happen. Yeah. Clearly, our producers did not know. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, and he did this. And, of course, I took pictures because that's <laughs> what I do. Yeah. <laughs> what else can you do oh in that moment? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I had pictures of this happening. But that's such, like, a short scene i know like in the background like you can't see all the details of that it's just this like crane lowering the pizza and it's so much effort so much money for one second one second of film oh my god crazy are there any other moments like that that you feel like that pizza was like such a big felt like such a big set piece that it was like such a small moment that as you're making your way through that you're seeing whether it's with the costumes or just in the background, whether or not there, you see there them. There definitely are a lot because for me, those are the moments that stand out. The Festival of Living Arts was definitely high up there on my favorites list of episodes to work on. And what was interesting, and I've talked about this a lot, is that my job was to make sure that the actors and the position of the clothing Looked exactly yeah. like the painting because um, there were ripples in the fabric and we had to make sure and their arm position had to match. And the way those costumes were, especially for The Last Supper, the way the costumes were positioned, uh, they were painted. And so they had to be positioned in the right spot so that they would look exactly like the painting. Yeah. And um, Alexis's dress, her outfit her finger had to be painted too. I didn't do the painting of the finger, but they didn't even do that until the very last moment when they put her finger in position. The necklace was part of the dress. And when her finger was in position, they actually painted the finger to look like it was around the necklace, like behind the necklace. Um, And there were two dresses. There was a dress that she wore walking around town that looked like the actual dress that looked like a real dress. Mm -hmm. And then there was the fake dress that was literally muslin that was painted to look like the painting because they needed it to be stiff and look like the painting. Yes. And it's very hard. I don't know that people see it, but the reason it looks so perfect in the painting is because it's made of a different fabric and a different material and it's painted. Wow, that's so cool. There's so much detail in it. Yeah, that's incredible. Oh, the power of muslin. Man, that stuff can do anything. (laughs) It doesn't move. It does not move. Not a bit. But on that on that topic, what were some of your favorite events to do? Like the the dance marathon and Yeah, because I know you like town events. The dance marathon was so much fun, but it was long. Oh, that makes my heart so happy because it was so much fun to watch. That's my favorite episode. They shoot Gilmore's, don't they? It was fun, but remember, all of this comes with a little bit of trauma. Of course, of course. (laughs) I'm sure. Long, long hours. Long, long hours. Uh, We shot 
it was nonstop and we were on our feet the whole time. There really wasn't any place to hide so much. Mm. The actors were exhausted. Mm. Commendations to the background dancers because they were oh my amazing, God. fabulous and on their feet for that many hours. Some of them wearing heels and did you shoot that over the course of just one day? It was either two or three days. Okay. Um, it was spread out a little bit. Yeah. Are episodes like that hard where it's like taking place over just a couple of hours to maintain continuity when you're oh. filming them over a couple of days? All episodes are continuity, but when you have outfits that span a very long period of time throughout that episode, like if that episode's eight days and they're wearing those those clothes for six of the eight days, which I believe that they were... You're having to match it constantly. Sometimes it's easier. Sometimes it's harder. The hard thing about the dance marathon, it was those numbers on the back of them. Oh, right. Now, the numbers are props, right? Yeah. They're props. Mm -hmm. But they pinned them to the dress. And those dresses were vintage. Mm -hmm. And they are moving. Bad news bears. Can you, can you predict what's going to happen? Holes. Everywhere. Holes. Yes, holes. The the numbers kept falling off because they kept grabbing each other. Eventually, we put top stick and double-sided tape on the back of them with the pins to keep them in place. And I think the top stick we had at that time was not the super stick, which is horrible. Mm -hmm. For those of you that know super stick, it's a really strong adhesive that you shouldn't use on that type of fabric because it will destroy it. But at this point in time, the outfits were pretty much a lot of these vintage dresses were being destroyed because of the the pins that were in the back of them from the numbers. Yeah. Wow. That's such an interesting crossover and props and costumes crossover quite often, but yeah. with unions, you're not allowed to touch those things. So how did you guys navigate that when it came to the costumes and the props and and well, that crossover? We uh, in film you work together. Like you want it to look right. It's it's more about props is providing it. Yeah. When it touches the costumes, costumes is setting it sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like uh, name badges. Name badges are a prop, but we will often help put those props in place. And boutonnieres. Mm. Boutonnieres, corsages. Ugh, I hate boutonnieres. I've got to say it's my least favorite because they wilt over the course of the day and yeah. you're constantly having to try to match something that's not matchable and it just starts the flower starts to open or wilt oh my or gosh things. I know so you have to switch it and then yeah if you're shooting it over the course of several days you know you have to move it to send it out to cleaning and then you have to put it back and you have to match it you just take lots of good pictures but these tiny minute de details most of the time no one notices no you. of course not yeah. But speaking of that, speaking of corsages and boutonnieres, I would love to hear about how it was to film Wedding Bell Blues, because that's one of my favorite costume episodes as well. I love yeah. Lauren's the 100th dress. Episode. The 100th episode. Very important. Yeah. Very I exciting. I Rory's outfit, too. The suit, man. That's so cool. Oh, she looks so cute. Yes, yeah, I loved it. Oh, we shot that up at uh, the Wilshire Ebell. Uh, so it was memorable for just the fact that we were on location. Anytime we were on location, it was like, where are we? Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> yeah. It's like going on a field trip. <laughs> it was. And, and I remember, like, moments. You know how they have little place cards on the table that say, like, where you're supposed to seat? Yeah. All the place cards on the table had crew members' names on them. Oh, and so my name, so my husband's name was on there. Oh, <laughs> so my I got God. Invited. <laughs> I love that you were invited. That's so special. I was invited. <laughs> But uh, we we shot that there, which we also shot the cotillion there. We shot a lot there. We shot all of oh. the DAR there. 
what else? We shot the Bangles there. Oh, really? wow. That's the Wilshire Ebell Theater, which is downstairs. So we use that location quite a bit. Um, we also shot the restaurant in A Year in the Life where they're in London and she's with that person that she's writing the story. The writer, the, the crazy lady. The whale. Something Shropshire. Yeah, Shropshire. But for me, I always loved the moments where we had all the cast on set. Yeah. I loved it. And having Ed on set was always a pleasure because uh, we were really close friends. And I really loved Ed. He was just such a sweetheart. Yeah. And Kelly. Oh, oh my God. Every scene she's in. Oh, it was just so much fun having having them on set. I miss Ed terribly. I'm sure you guys miss seeing him oh, on camera. Yeah. The revival. They handled that so well in the revival, though. He, uh, he and I were really close friends because he loved radios and microphones and sound equipment. My husband's into all those things and trains. And so he would come over and hang out with my husband a lot. Anytime he was in town, he would just drop by out of the blue. He wouldn't even call. He would just be like, hi, how are you doing? How's Campbell's doing? <laughs> That's so sweet. Do you have any favorite memories of him on set that you that stick out to you yeah, from yeah. the series? It was early on when I was taking my photos, and it was when I was taking digital photos. He would just be silly, and he would like do a little dance, <laughs> and and I was like, Wait, I think to I take know what picture. picture you're talking about. I know exactly what photo. You're Is talking it from about. the Bracebridge dinner? It was. There's three of them actually. There's one at the Independence Inn. There's another one, I think, at his house. And I think there's probably another one at his house. Wow. But he would just like be silly and do a little dance. And and, and then I'd be like, Ed, I have to take a real picture now. And But, <laughs> but I'm going to save this one. And so I have like a series of photos of him. Oh, I do have a favorite memory of him. His daughter, his little daughter named Emma came to visit the set. And they had just gone to Disneyland. And his little daughter was singing it's a small world. Mm, <laughs> and I had a voice recorder on my little Palm Pilot and I recorded her singing it. And then to annoy Ed, I would play it for him. <laughs> <laughs> and he'd be like, damn you. Stop. Play that song. Get that in my head all day. <laughs> I have to listen to this when I'm at home. I don't want to listen to it while I'm at work. <laughs> Were there any other moments like that on set that stick out to you? Like when you think of working on this show, what are some of your favorite memories? There was a, we were shooting up at the, you jump, I jump Jack. We're shooting up in Griffith park where we oh, shot, yeah. where they were all in white, the out of Africa look, as we like to call it. All the boys were hanging out, Logan, mm. Tank, Alan, um, and Robert was there mm. and they were playing the guitar. Yeah. They're just sitting around in the background playing the guitar. And it was just like really like calm and peaceful. Yeah. And you could just, and I record cause I had my little recorder and I recorded them playing it cause it just sounded so beautiful. And it was just like mm. improving. It was just really cool. And I still have like some of those little tiny clips yeah. and I don't know what to do with them. Cause like, yeah, you yeah. have so much. You have so much. You could write a book. I could. Well, I did write a book. Yes, you have a. <laughs> you have ice an cream. ice cream book. I'm. I'm actually curious about that. Did you include any of the recipes that were requested by? Yeah. Oh yeah. The Gilmore yeah. community. Very cool. Did you include like the stories about that? Have you seen it? I know. I know Haley has it. I've seen. I've seen clips of it on your um, so, on your TikTok. Basically, it's all handwritten. It's all hand illustrated. It's very beautiful. The recipes are all little tiny pictures of 
fruit being cut up and put into a thing and then and then it's all on one page so everything fits on one page but it's a real recipe they do work people make them and they're like oh my god this is so good uh but on one side is this is the story and the other side's the recipe and the stories are all handwritten and in keeping with the style of the recipe where it's all illustrated the handwriting is my handwriting and i am a very unique handwriting person. Like I'm an artist. I'm not like a very methodic. It's just, it's all over the place, but it's really fun. And some of the words are illustrated. Sometimes the word is broken down into parts and used multiple times throughout a sentence. It sounds weird, but it's like a puzzle. And when you're reading it, I want people to go slow and enjoy it. Each recipe in the book is a, a story of the person that inspired it. So for example, like Eris Alvarado, who played Caesar, his recipe is Mexican fruit salad sorbet. So it's Caesar salad sorbet. Oh, I love <laughs> and that. A, and it's, you make five different sorbets that are fruits individually. And it has a little tahine, lime, and salt in it. And then you mix them together. And so that's, that's the theme of his. Keiko has a lime ginger sorbet, which is one of the sorbets she requested at the parties that we would throw. Wow. And she would always bring mac and cheese whenever she came to my potlucks. Love that. Mac and cheese lane. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> oh, it's really good. Yeah. People are like, is, is Keiko coming? Because we want the mac and cheese. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That's great. So there's a story. It, and most of them are not, like, they're not necessarily Gilmore stories. They're stories about the people and yeah. our relationship and our friendship. Although there is one Gilmore story, which was in my original book. The new book has it too. And it's about Lulu, who is uh, Rini Bell, and how... Lulu's costumes were basically based on the way I dressed at the time. I'm not as like, I mean, I still dress a little more interesting and cute. Um, But yeah, she had a very quirky style. I love that. Very quirky. Her character had a little bit more money than I would spend. Like she was (laughs) Mark Jacobs and stuff. Wow. Great for Lulu. She had really fancy stuff. but She had fancy quirk. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm just going to the thrift store uh, and finding vintage stuff. Same, my friend, same. (laughs) (laughs) But she and I became really good friends. And I think it was mainly because basically Brenda went up to Dan Palladino, who's directing the episode that she was in and, and said, hey, what should Lulu look like? And Dan's like, you know, like, like Valerie. Because I would always wear vintage dresses on set. Yeah. And just, you know, oh, I, so cool. but not like vintage dress with like a hoop skirt. Like I wasn't a period reenactor. Right. I was just quirky. <laughs> Cat eyes. Yes. Love. You know, whole thing. Love it. <laughs> Were there any other like inspirations like that that you know of? Like of how the characters dressed um, or like how Amy and Dan preferred a character's like, I guess like story be told through costume? Um, I'm not remembering like specific people that were, Brenda would probably have a little bit more information about that kind of stuff because I didn't do those, but stories through costumes. I just did a TikTok recently about like the subtle things like, you know, the buttons that were in Melissa's smock when she took over the Dragonfly Inn, when they did the Dragonfly Inn, not all of them, but most of her buttons were these Dragonfly buttons. Oh, really? And so they would add the little tiny details. And in fact, while we were watching recipes and raincoats, I don't know if you noticed, but like a lot of the characters had dragonflies on. Lauren had a Dragonfly t-shirt. I didn't notice wow. that. Melissa also at one point has a Dragonfly on her handkerchief. Liz Torres is wearing a Dragonfly silk uh, jacket. Wow. Uh, there was another, I feel like there was one more that we saw, but 
There was lots of dragonflies. They were subtly in there. Going back to something that we were just talking about was um, the You Jump, I Jump Jack, like the Life and Death Brigade event. I feel like that is for so many people like a favorite because it's like Mm. such like it's the costume, it's the location, not to mention like the story that's going on. Like how was filming that whole scene? Oh, it was a lot of work, but it was a lot of fun. Like I like I thrive on times where there's stuff to do when there's stunts we very rarely did stunts so I just thrive on that stuff and I loved having people on set and the boys were just so much fun they were just cracking jokes and they were excited because they were all pretty new to the business and to be able to do these fun things and get dressed in these fancy clothes and go on these adventures and the background you know the background girls I don't know if you guys know this but I've, I've talked about it before Uh, The dresses that the background are wearing, some of the background ladies are wearing, came from the cotillion. They were dyed. Oh, it's season Mm. two. Yeah. Brenda just, in order to save money, because that episode is a huge episode, we have all the clothes. We keep all the clothes until the show's over if we own them. If we rent them, we return them each season or after an episode's done. And Brenda's down in the cage, and we had bought all these cotillion dresses from downtown L.A. for like 100 bucks a piece. They're just – they're like quinceaneras dresses. Right, yeah. And so they were super cheap. She didn't know what was going to happen because the fabric content may or may not die, but, you know, mm-hmm. she – I don't know if you ever say this, but maybe you'll say it for future Tara when you're working on a, on a show in costumes. Brenda would always say – no guts, no glory before she did something <laughs> and uh, before she cut something. Before oh, yeah. She, yeah no, no guts, no glory. And so so she died them. And I mean, the worst was they were going to be sitting on uh, up in the rafters that nobody was going to use them. So might as right. well get a second life to them. Yeah. yeah. So we used them. They died beautifully. And uh, she probably bought a few others just to, you know, use some of the budget. And then the one interesting thing about Alexis's dress was, you know, that blue scarf that's around her neck? Oh, yeah. That like flows behind her. The only reason that exists, period, is because of the harness. I remember this TikTok of yours and I was fascinated. Let's just say they might have wanted to have it. But the harness, it was necessary in order to hide the harness. And so I had to sew it in place and also make it look natural. Like she had just like Mm. tossed it over. I mean, in reality, that thing wasn't going to stay on her neck if she was falling from, you know. Falling through the air. Yeah. In reality, a lot of that, don't try that at home. That that (laughs) harness, the thing that they had rigged was not something that was going to work in real life. But it was was such a fun episode. Really quick, the last episode I want to ask you about before we move into uh, some questions from our listeners is about Here Comes the Sun. Oh, the yeah. backdoor pilot for the Jess Mariano spinoff. Right. You, of course, I'm assuming yeah. did Here Comes the Sun, but were you slated to do that spinoff? No, I would not have been able to do both. Yeah. So if it had gotten picked up, they would have hired a new crew and I definitely would not have done it. And I'll tell you why. They would have shot in Venice and I don't live anywhere near there. Now there's a possibility. What episode, what season was that? Season three. Episode 21. Oh. It's the second to last episode of season three. That makes sense. Oh. So you know how Brenda took over season four? Right. If the show had gone, Brenda would have done it. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because she lives right by 
the beach and it would have been perfect for her to be there. Learn something new. Never even thought about that way. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of moving parts there. How was it to work on something that of course was very, obviously very, very tethered to Gilmore Girls, but had this potential, like it had such a different potential than any of the other episodes. I mean, it, it was intentional that they did it. Like the potential was there because they gave it the potential. If you think about it, like, right. It was fun. It was weird because not all the crew worked on it. Like the costume designer that did Gilmore girls did not do the backdoor pilot. They might've even hired a completely different production design team as well, because we actually did shoot a pilot. We shot a whole pilot. It wasn't just the few five scenes that you saw in Gilmore girls. It was the whole thing. Right. And what happened to that pilot? Like, I guess I think that there are elements that you can find There's online some footage. Yeah. yeah, I posted some TikToks about it. Um, and I remember you responding to that because people were tagging you in it, wanting to know some history about it. You had Gilmore Girls and you had the story yeah. of the girls. And then you had this completely separate story with Jess um, that was shot that I didn't find out till after the fact was a part of a bigger pilot. Yeah, I think the whole reason that they shot it, period, was. Milo, certain times, you know, in order to get actors to do and to sign on to certain seasons, because he was not part of the original run. So his contract was different than, let's say, Lauren or Alexis or any of the other normal day players that were on the show. That I think that he probably got written into his contract that he was going to be given a pilot. That's what I think. That's why I think that they did that. It just was up to Warner Brothers, who probably felt that it was going to be too expensive to shoot. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. also Warner Brothers might have not been too happy with Amy. I wonder if there's any correlation between ownership. Of Warner Brothers. Do you guys know when it went from WB to CW? It was six to seven. 2006 to 2007. I think that it had to do with a change at the network who might have been like behind Amy and then other people going, well, we've got this thing. It's the most popular thing on this network. We can't cancel it. But also we don't really like Amy, you know, because they were always there was a lot of fighting, which is not anything new I, i'm pretty sure you guys knew because like that was the six six to seven shift was, that was the yeah. crux of season six is yeah it's season exactly. six's shift and there's been a lot yeah. of articles out about it so no surprise there was that a big moment for i guess for you guys to find out that like what was that like to know i guess two parts that like amy and dan wouldn't come into seven and then the second part of that is that seven would end like that was the last season well okay a couple things with that. We didn't find out that Amy's contract didn't get signed until the last days. I want to say the last two days. We found wow. out. So Like you were shooting the finale. We were shooting the finale. So she did not know. So I know a lot of people go, oh, Amy sabotaged season six for them. No, she didn't. She didn't yeah. sabotage season six. She wrote the show the way she needed to write it. What you didn't see in the sidelines is that the key players for season seven were working on season six, David Rosenthal and Rebecca Rand Krishner, who basically were the showrunners for, for season, season seven. seven. 
Right. Contracts. Let's talk about contracts. The actors, when they sign a series contract, there are certain negotiating points where they can renegotiate their contract, but they are basically signed on for seven years the moment they shoot a pilot, Mm -hmm. which means that they are getting paid a set amount for that period of time. And until those contracts are up for renegotiation, they are making the minimal that the network can get away with paying them, which is why Ed Herman's contract is special guest appearance because he could negotiate his contract every time. He could also not have Mm. to work out of Los Angeles. He could work out of Connecticut, which meant they had to fly him, which meant they had to put him up. So there was a lot of factors because he had small kids that he had a small child that lived in Connecticut and that was their home. And so he wouldn't have to uproot and disturb the family for that. Right. That's that element. Okay. So we get to season six, the end of season six, they're renegotiating Amy's contract. And the network did not want to give her eight seasons. She wanted two seasons. And the reason she wanted two seasons was that's how long she felt she needed to be able to tell the story appropriately and get to the place in the storyline where she wanted to end the show. Also, it's the actor's contracts are up at seven, which meant the last season, eight, if we had done a season eight, the actors would have all gotten to renegotiate their contract and gotten paid what they were worth. Right. You know, who's to say what would have happened because we didn't do that. But as far as people talk about the end of seven as being the end of the show, we also didn't know that it was going to be the series finale. So you shot that like knowing that you might not come back. They were still under contract negotiations with the actors and it was because I believe one of the actors did not sign their contract. They could not come to negotiation, which is why I'm always shocked that we actually did the revival was that the actors actually agreed to come back. And it's kind of interesting that they didn't sign it. Like, because in a way, if they did a season eight, it would have just been in terms of Amy. It meant they should have just kept Amy. Right. Yeah. Should have just kept Amy. Should have just done it. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't want to do it. It's wild because season seven walking in, it was like, one, the hours were great. It was wonderful. I loved it. I was excited to go home, see my family, be home, do things, not have to work as many hours. It was great. But the hindsight of it was it wasn't the same. The shots were different. We were suddenly doing close-up shots, which we never did. Yeah, there's a lot of close-ups. Lots of and close-up it was shots. Jarring because Amy had rules. There was like a lot of things that you had to be careful of in the way that you shot. It was just like nobody cared anymore. That's what it felt like. It felt like nobody cared anymore. Like, ah, whatever. Nobody's watching. Yeah. Nobody cares. Amy's not here. Nobody's, you know, we don't have wow. them looking over our shoulder. Amy didn't watch the show. So which gets us to a year in the life. We're in the production meetings. Amy would basically call out to whoever the PA was that was in charge of watching all the episodes. We had a couple super fans. Yeah. Uh, some oh, of our PAs, <laughs> there were, there were definitely super fans that were involved with the making of a year in the life. And they worked in the production office. They worked in like, some of them were writer assistants. And so anytime Amy wanted to do something, she'd have to run it by the super fans. Well, did we do this? And, you know, they would rack their brains and like, yep, blah, 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 blah. And they'd 
say what episode it was, whether it was something that we had done or the season seven thing that had occurred. And I think with some things, if Amy didn't agree with the trajectory of season seven, she probably just said, ah, whatever, I don't care. Yeah. You know, it's not, I didn't write it. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Cause I literally haven't gotten to season seven yet and I don't remember much of it. So I don't know how much discrepancies there are between A Year in the Life and Season 7. There's not There's not too many. No, they, they kept it pretty consistent. Yeah. But we should absolutely talk once you oh, yeah. watch yeah, Season sure. 7 and see how how that all culminates. But what was it like, uh, Haley, what you were asking before, what was it like to find out about the show coming oh, to an end? Oh, like after the fact. After Season 7. Okay, I was at the Apple store fixing something on my husband's Mac Mini at the Genius Bar and Brenda calls and goes, are you sitting down? And I'm like, yeah, I'm at the Genius Bar. Like, <laughs> and yeah. she's like, we didn't get picked up. <laughs> like they, someone didn't sign their contract. And, and I was like, oh my God. And I remember asking her, I'm like, oh, I guess we're never going to find out what the final four words. Like, and I asked her, I go, what were the final <laughs> yeah. four words? And I remember, and I don't know, like, cause I have a really good memory. So I remember everything someone tells me. I don't know if she was saying this as a joke or if she said, oh, I thought, you know, Helen Pye told me it was this. And I had a memory of it being something completely different. And the memory was not, are you pregnant? Cause nobody knew, like I didn't know. I had thought I had heard that the final four words were going to be something like you're adopted or something to that lines. Like it was you're adopted, not, wow. and it was just going to be a joke. It wasn't going to be something so heavy, pivotal yeah. cliffhanger and heavy. Yeah. How do you feel about where it ended up? Uh, Cause I know that that's like such a huge, like monumental thing is to like go from like this really like picturesque ending of seven and then to find out how it was really, really originally supposed to end. Well, you think about like, I always think about Amy's final four words would have happened in season eight, not seven. So exactly. There is like, you have to think about what would have happened during that year that we didn't see at all. Yeah. Would it have been a time jump or what would have happened? You know, would she keep the baby? Would she not keep the baby? But ultimately what's interesting, in, and I was thinking about the other day, because I did a TikTok on this, the music, the very first episode of Gilmore Girls has the theme someone goes why did the theme song change and I'm like the theme song didn't change no. Gilmore Girls always had the thing it was just the very first moment of Gilmore Girls has that song there she goes there she goes yeah. there she goes again and if you think about the end of a year in the life just think about it forget about the baby part think about what Rory is about to do she's about to write a book about the Gilmore Girls so she is basically starting at the beginning of her life, the beginning of the series, and showing that time period. And so it forces you as the viewer to automatically rewatch the entire show from beginning to end all the way through mm -hmm. to A Year in the Life. Yeah, it's very full circle. And that song actually says it. Here she goes. Yeah. Here she goes again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. I loved that change because when it was Every Day is a Winding Road by Sheryl Crow, so appropriate. So like. Was it a different song? That's what, yeah, that's what it was originally. The, in, in the, the original pilot that was shot in Canada, it oh, was okay. Every Day is a Winding Road by Sheryl Crow, okay. which is very like, like the, the 
vibe of what Amy brought to the show with the music and Sam Phillips and everything, like it falls in line with that as does There She Goes by the Laws. But There She Goes is just, it has so many different meanings to it Mm -hmm. that There She Goes, like really zeroing in on the fact that Lorelai is the main character of this show. Like it just brings it all full circle. Yeah. Well, we have about 20 minutes left with you. So I'd love to get to some of the listener questions. Haley, you have those queued up. Yeah. So we have some Patreon questions that some of them we've covered. Some of them I know I think what your answer will be, but I'm going to go through them anyways. The first one, I'm not sure if you have an answer for it, but it's the question that everyone always asks, which is if you are team Dean Logan or Jess. I will be firm on this. I have not watched all the episodes, so I'm not going to form an opinion. Right, because you haven't memories. met Logan yet. I haven't, um, but I also think of them throughout my entire time watching the show. I just always thought of them as I loved all of them equally. And as we've been watching the show, I realized that Dean has a lot of red flags, you know, yep. I mean, like <laughs> clearly obvious. And I feel like you can't be strongly be any one team. And for one very important reason, if you watch the show and you watch it all the way through and you follow what Amy wanted you to see, she doesn't end up with any of them. She doesn't. Yeah. And so not a single ultimately, one. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that my team is not going to be it's just going to be Team Rory for that very important fact. Yeah. Mm. Try mm-hmm. telling that to thirteen-year-old me, though she I know. would not believe it. <laughs> well, but thirteen-year-old you didn't see the revival, though. That's true. Oof. Yeah, and that revival with Logan—that didn't go so well for him, did it? it? Did not. <laughs> it's hard. Like uh, the more and more you're watching it, the more and more you see, like, ah, Rory's not a great person either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you. You. It really humanizes. But also, her. like, I think about it this way: we are all human. And we all make mistakes. There's no Mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to watch a show about a perfect person going through life with other perfect people. No, of course (laughs) not. Nor would I ever want someone to watch a TV show about me and like all the mistakes I've made in my life. I would be like, yeah, I am the villain as well. Yeah, we are. We're all villains. That's it. Team villain. Yeah, truly. Well, speaking of the revival, someone asked if you had any insight into like any of the costume pieces if they got reused for from the series to the revival if there was anything notable yes, uh, that you know got brought back Luke's hat it's the same hat same hat yeah there were definitely the same soda shop uniforms oh the soda shop I don't think we rebuilt Michael Winters because I don't think Michael Winters ever got dressed up as that but we had to try to do it in case we did the Dosi's aprons we had to remake because they didn't exist the film by Kirk shirt had to be remade because no one, it, they didn't have one that would fit him. You know, like we, I had mine. I have, I should have worn that today. Sorry. What else? I'm trying to think. Luke's jacket had, we had to get a new jacket for him because his jacket didn't fit him. But we didn't really have access to a lot of those stuff. Cause so basically when the show ended, things got put into archive, some things. But they're not necessarily going to fit the actors because it's a lot of time. Ten plus years down the road, yeah. And also, they're not going to wear the same things because they're not the same people. Emily, I want to say that we tried to rent some of Emily's old St. John knit, but I think we just ended up buying newer outfits for her. But we tried. Like, there were things that we tried to get, but the hat, Luke's hat, was definitely... 
from oh, that. Oh, I love that. Yeah. To that effect, someone else asked if there was like anything that you were privy to, because I know that you didn't do the costume design and weren't like in that yeah. collaborative process, but the style as it evolved from the series to the revival, do you know like any of the reasoning of like, because you know, it's obviously a different style, but like how the girls change from dressing in the series to dressing in the revival? Um, really is a Brenda question. One thing that did happen from the series to the revival was Emily's character went completely off the rails with her clothes. Like, I think she's the one that changes the most out of anyone. She wore jeans. She wore jeans. <laughs> she was wearing Keds. I know. I mean, oh. uh, she got to have the most fun with her clothes for sure. Yeah. And, you know, we had some fun moments with, uh, the Life and Death Brigade with the tango. Oh, I love that. Uh, yeah. That was really fun. Did any of the actors get a say in any of what they were wearing? Well, it's a collaborative process. You go in for fitting and you have a rack of clothes. And Lauren, absolutely, 100%. She actually had a stylist that helped with that because she just, she needs someone that's just focused on her to help get the looks down and get her stuff going. But they would come in and, you know, for the most part, they trust Brenda. They know what Brenda does. Yeah. And, you know, if they have a conversation, they get to work out whatever details they want to work out. Right. One of the things is with Lorelai specifically is her costumes really shift as the show goes on from like, you know, she has her like corduroys and her like Sherpa jackets. But then as it, we move forward, she's wearing Diane von Furstenberg wrap dresses. Was that like purely a budget thing or was that a character thing that went through those changes? Um, partially budget, but also if you think about it, her character is now running an inn is now the owner of the inn, so she needs to dress accordingly. Now, one thing that her character does, and as an audience member, you don't, you might know it's a Diane von Furstenberg dress, but she could possibly have made that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like she is, her character is sure. a sewer, is someone that could create any outfit that she wants. And so we have to look at mm. it through those eyes, like, we don't see her sewing enough. We should see her more. No, yeah. yeah. We get a lot of that at the beginning of the series. Yeah. And then not so much towards the end. Well, it's exposition. You don't need it in the end because you know she can do Because you already know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Were there any of the pieces that actors kept or that mysteriously disappeared as the series went on? Uh, Lauren. Just just Lauren. Look in her closet. I'm sure you'll see a lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of wrap dresses. She, <laughs> she also, on her Twitter, when we were doing the revival, pointed out many of the things that she was about to steal. So. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else I will not throw under the bus, but uh, Keiko kept her sweater and her shoes. Mrs. Kim kept her smock. Scott has one of his hats. Uh, oh, Madeline, who played... I'm sorry, Shelly Cole played Madam Madeline, has her Chilton uniform. So there's there's a few little things. You know, I don't know how it works in theater, but they're not allowed to take these things. No, oftentimes they're not supposed to. They're not supposed to take anything. But sometimes things just vanish. And I say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not my responsibility. <laughs> well, it is. I yeah, mean, exactly. we don't have security on our truck 24-7 for when the actor walks in there and does something, you know. Right. Yeah. I think our last question, which was um, asked quite a bit, which is if you have any favorite characters that you got to dress, whether that be the actor that played the character or you just really loved how this character dressed. Kirk. 
I loved all of Kirk's stuff. And physically dressing, I would always help Liz do her. Like, we would physically Patty, dress yeah. Liz, Miss Patty. And and I would have to, like, wrap her things and, like, tweak them. And so I had the most fun doing that. Although Kirk, in general, like, what was he going to be wearing next? <laughs> yeah, hot dog. sometimes nothing. And sometimes <laughs> oh, my nothing. God, I know. Always a mystery. It was definitely the favorite. We just watched the episode last last night, which I'll do a TikTok on soon about how my job was to catch him with a robe oh, yeah. when yeah. he was wearing his he had his, his night terrors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about that. There was an episode where he was just wearing absolutely nothing. Quite a bit. Matt was always very, very sweet. Like, just... Very polite, very sweet. I know you guys are Logan fans. I am. Oh, yeah. Haley is. I mean, I, I like Logan. I'm team. I'm personally team Jess. I'm okay, a, I'm, okay. A Milo, I'm a Milo lady through and through. Have been since the age of twelve. I mean, most for the most part, most of the actors were super nice, and you know, you have your moments. People were working so closely together for oh yeah hours and hours and hours. Not everybody's going to get along all the time, and people always ask me, and I'm like, I do my thing. I come in, I do my job, I go home. Totally. What's fun is running into people that I haven't like. I told you about the rabbi, but there was a time where I ran into Melissa on set. Oh, so fun. Melissa was doing a movie called Tammy. They were doing reshoots in LA. They shot it out of town. And one of my friends was working on it. And I said, oh, what are you working on? She's like, Tammy. And I'm like, oh my God, can I come work with you tomorrow? And she was like, yeah. And so I ended up helping her work. I get to set. Melissa has no idea I'm there. And I'm hanging outside the wardrobe trailer. It's super dark outside. And Melissa walks up to the trailer, sees me, and starts crying. Because <gasps> she's oh like, my what gosh. are you doing here? Oh my <laughs> I was God. like, I'm just helping today. I saw you. And I was like, my friend was going to work on this. And I was like, can I work on it too? And she's like, yeah. What's also random about it was the only reason I knew what this was, was my husband Colin does sound. Mm. And he had gotten the job first. And I was like, oh, my God, say hi to Melissa for me when you get there. And then the next yeah. day, I'm, we ended up carpooling to work. And when she saw Colin, it was just like, oh, my God. Like, oh, she, I you love know. that. Did your husband work on Gilmore Girls as no, well? No. Or was no. he just on set all the time because of you? He wasn't on set, but they would come for parties or we would go right. to a rap party. Like, you know, you work closely with people. They get to know who yeah. you are, who your family is. Um, you know, yeah. we'd have – there was – a couple family days on set where people would come by. I think there was one time Colin was working on West Wing. Uh, he didn't work on it all the time, but he worked on it for like maybe a couple months. And so West Wing and Gilmore Girls shot on the same lot. So he came by to visit. Yeah. So people get to know each other's family yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Especially when it's over the span of seven seasons, a yeah. revival. Yeah. That's a lot of absolutely. years. Well, we're just so happy that you were here with us today. Thank you for sharing your your memories with us and your insight. And I'm so happy that you're getting to watch the show from a different perspective yeah. right now. That's very exciting. If any of our listeners want to find you, where can they find you on social media? Okay, so grab a pen. My name is Valerie, V-A-L-E-R-I-E. -E. My thing is Valerie's cat, I scream. And it's kind of complicated because it does. it's not ice cream like an ice cream cone. It's Valerie's, no apostrophe, cat, like your kitty cat, I like your eyeball and scream like you're screaming for your life. <laughs> All together is one word. If you start to 
to type Valerie's cat eye. By the time you got to Valerie's cat eye, usually it'll pop up in, in Google. And I'm on TikTok. I'm on Instagram. And we'll definitely post links to your stuff on our socials so people can find you. We might have to have you come back when you finish seven. Absolutely. And give us your thoughts on season seven. Absolutely. I, I'm most excited at watching seven because I don't know what's going to happen. I don't remember <laughs> it at all. It's going to be like. Well, you're in for a ride. Wow. <laughs> if you have more for us to consider, unpopular opinions, spicy takes, things you think we're forgetting, or you just want to say hi, give our voicemail a call at 860-578-4653. That's 860-578-4653.